Listening to your home for Michigan Athletics, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Locate us on the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle. Radio is on. It's on 88.3 FM, WCN FM, Ann Arbor's 24 hour open minded radio surprise pudding. Licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan, operated by students at the University of Michigan, uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. Okay, we got you, kid. Ready? Hi, I'm Abby Hoffman. On the run, just listening to WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Well, uh, good evening. You are listening to WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and Jim Dwyer uh, has uh, basically school obligations again this evening. So we'll see him next week, beginning of the school year. He's always a very busy man, unlike Mitt Romney, preparing for the debates. When we left off last week, of course, we were talking quite a bit about Mitt Romney's 47% problem and his bootlicking problem. Uh, the bootlicking uh, didn't happen too much this week, but certainly some st strange retreatage on the campaign trail. Um, which I think further complicates Romney's problems. Obviously, this week is the uh, first presidential debate. Uh, the focus is going to be on domestic issues with allegedly half of the show, half of the one and a half hours, uh, devoted to economic issues specifically. And, of course, Romney had an opportunity on 60 Minutes to... Uh, deal a little bit with the vagueness of his economic plan, and he continued to remain vague. It's always kind of a bad week in a presidential campaign when the news cycle was kind of dominated by the NFL referee situation, uh, which was remedied later in the week. Uh, we'll just give a brain damage award out to Scott Walker. Uh, and this is not because I don't like the Packers. In fact, I root for the Packers. Uh, in the NFC, uh, largely because Charles Woodson's on the team. 
He's my all-time favorite U of M football player. He's the greatest football player that's ever played that left cornerback position in the history of either college football or the NFL. And for Scott Walker, who, of course, uh, survived a uh, recall election this past uh, summer, important to remember in that recall election, $30 million was spent uh, by forces, mainly outside the state of Wisconsin, uh, defending Scott Walker. And the Democrats, uh, of course, ran the same fellow that they ran in the last uh, gubernatorial election in Wisconsin. They were badly outspent. And, of course, there were many, even opponents of Scott Walker, that voted against the recall just simply out of principle. But for him to complain about, uh, you know, the replacement refs when the union, busting the unions has been his sort of uh, forte for uh, his, his first couple of years as governor is uh, a little hypocritical, to say the least. Uh, even President uh, <laughs> Obama got involved in the whole referee situation. The NFL, of course, uh, got probably more uh, publicity last week than even Mitt Romney. And, of course, we had the usual UN uh, speeches. Don't really want to talk about Obama's speech. Uh, it was sort of pro forma, as usual. The buffoon from Iran showed up and gave a uh, sort of reiteration of his caricature. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, his UN speech um, with the, the illustration... Um, this is almost too funny to believe, this uh, cartoon uh, picture that he has of a bomb with a so-called red line. He's got a first stage, second stage. And I looked at the picture of the bomb when I saw the thing. It, of course, graced uh, our major uh, American newspapers, front page of the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, and Washington Post. And I thought to myself, Benjamin, did you borrow that diagram from Wile E. Coyote? <laughs> Because it's laughable. It's it's like the the kind of the picture that a ten year old would draw of a bomb with a fuse and a little bang at the end of the explosion. And of course, Netanyahu's nickname is Bibi. And of course, the Roadrunner uh, is always uh, tormenting Wiley Coyote. Read an interesting thing about the origin of Wiley Coyote this past year when I was reading a, a book about Mark Twain and his uh, vignettes, his short stories, et cetera, regarding animals. And uh, the, the uh, scholar that did this book noted that the uh, cartoon drawer of uh, the Roadrunner, uh, Chuck Jones, borrowed a line. He said he got the inspiration for the uh, Wiley Coyote from a Mark Twain um, line that the coyote is is always slinking along in the desert, and I'm paraphrasing here, he's always slinking along the desert, and he's perpetually hungry. So when I saw uh, Benjamin Netanyahu with this uh, wily coyote diagram of the bomb, I couldn't help but think, beep, beep. You know, the uh, Roadrunner, of course, goes beep, beep. But of course, um, uh, Netanyahu's nickname is Bibi, so it's perfect that it's beep, beep. <laughs> 
So it's too bad that a, a guy in a wily e. coyote costume didn't pop up right behind Benjamin Netanyahu with a beep beep. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, Wiley Coyote's best uh, plans, courtesy of the Acme production company, always go awry no matter what. And he always ends up, uh, well, with the uh, blowback problem, as they say, in intelligence. Of course, uh, Netanyahu's uh, desire to go to war in this so-called red line is, uh, is largely fraudulent. Uh, interesting that there was a Saturday article in the New York Times that I didn't bring in, but it was about the confusion that people in Israel uh, <laughs> regarded. Uh, uh, basically, uh, were confused by what Netanyahu's diagram was showing, because he's got this this kind of vague thing that says first stage, second stage, seventy percent. 90%, and they didn't know whether that was a representation of uranium or how far along they're along with the bomb, etc. Um, the uh, Iranian negotiations regarding the IAEA and stuff are fairly complicated and not quite as simplistic as Netanyahu would be suggesting in a UN speech. It's interesting to note, by the way, that Russia, who Mitt Romney regards as our number one foe, is actually involved in giving uh, the Iranians uh, uranium in an unenriched form. And it's very important to realize that a nuclear weapon cannot be uh, created unless you have what's known as highly enriched uranium. It doesn't even have to be, quote, enriched uranium. It's sort of like uh, the bread you buy in the supermarket that's sprayed with vitamins. Uh, in which they take the fiber out and uh, remove the natural flavor of bread and make it taste like plastic. Um, highly enriched uranium is uh, nowhere uh, near uh, the known capability of Iran. And Iran is still undergoing negotiations regarding this whole situation. So it's not as if uh, Iran, even if they had a nuclear bomb, would somehow uh, start uh, threatening Israel or, or whatever. But uh, it, it just uh, strikes me as that this is a red line that uh, actually needs to be uh, issued to Israel by the American government. And I think that the Policy is, 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 of course, being negotiated behind the scenes. But uh, there are many military experts in Israel, in the Israeli um, both intelligence establishment and the military establishment, that would argue that a war with Iran would be a catastrophe. Let's face it, this region is still um, a powder keg. Uh, the civil war in Syria, I think, now has entered its... Uh, 18th month, uh, there's an estimated 20 to 25,000 uh, that are dead in the civil war. And the situation in Syria, which of course is adjacent to Israel, is, is already bad enough. And uh, this is an, another classic example of the problems with the uh, invasion of Iraq uh, and the misinterpretation, in my opinion, of the, by the American media of what exactly is going on in the Arab Spring. Uh, Events are complicated. Uh, Mitt Romney, of course, you know, he's all over the map. He's, he's at one, you know, at one appearance, he's trying to uh, continue to make his economic arguments that are vague. In other appearances, he seems to be trying to be exploit the uh, 
the foreign policy situation, suggesting, of course, that somehow unrest in the Middle East is, is a result of, uh, quote, weakness and apologies that, uh, that Obama is making. And it's kind of uh, dubious, to say the least. So I wanted to give him a brain damage award uh, on his uh, foreign policy mixture. Uh, leaving aside, uh, and we'll get to six, his 60 Minutes appearance in a second, he uh, criticized, this is uh, basically from a, an interview um, that Romney gave Sunday night last week on 60 Minutes regarding the, quote, bumps in the road in the Middle East that uh, Mr. Obama referred to. Bumps in the road, Mr. Romney asked, and I'm quoting here from a 925 uh, 2012 article by Ashley Parker. Bumps in the road, Mr. Romney asked, as... A grumbling murmur rippled through the crowd. Quote, we had an ambassador assassinated. We had a Muslim Brotherhood elect a member elected to the presidency of Egypt. 20,000 people have been killed in Syria. We have tumult in Pakistan. And, of course, Iran is that much closer to having the capacity to build a nuclear weapon. Well, all fine and dandy, but uh, Pakistan has been part of the GOP uh, uh, sort of pillar of, of foreign policy dating back to Richard Nixon. Uh, he's and Henry Kissinger were the architects of the tilt to Pakistan. Um, Ronald Reagan funneled billions of dollars into Pakistan during the uh, Afghan Civil War. Uh, the problems that America has in Pakistan are of their own making. And, of course, they have misinterpreted, in my opinion, um, is, uh, Islamic uh, fundamentalism, the events of 1979 uh, with respect to the Iranian Revolution and whatnot, and, of course, eventually the Soviet invasion of uh, Afghanistan. And uh, the, the problems or the tumult in Pakistan has been there uh, throughout this entire period. Remember that Pakistan has been frequently governed by military dictators. Uh, nobody's been really elected there much. Um, s several have been assassinated. Uh, Zia-ul-Haq, who received the uh, billions of dollars of aid from Ronald Reagan, uh, in fact executed his predecessor, uh, Bill Clinton cut off Pakistan's aid in the late 90s after they built a nuclear bomb uh, in response, of course, to is, uh, India building a nuclear bomb. So the situation is, is, is not simplistic, as, the, uh, as Mitt Romney would suggest. I also have some problems here with a, uh, the governor or the, even the ambassador, quote, being assassinated. He wasn't assassinated. I don't think even the people that stormed the consulate in um, Benghazi would have even known that the ambassador was there. Uh, you know, you would, you would think he would actually be in the embassy in Tripoli, which is uh, hundreds and hundreds of miles away. Um, uh, Ambassador Stevens went to Benghazi because it was uh, uh, threatened with attack, and he was trying to reassure the uh, people that worked there that uh, he had their back, so to speak. And his death is a tragedy. It's not an assassination. I don't believe he was targeted. I do believe that the consulate was uh, the consulate was uh, was uh, targeted, but the targeting of the co of consulate was uh, connected to the uh, sort of uh, outrage, the fake outrage, in my opinion, about this uh, disastrous uh, amateur video that was made uh, out in California. 
It's interesting that the uh, producer of that video was arrested last week on parole violations related to bank fraud. Uh, how utterly uh, appropriate! How how that's almost poetic justice, since bank fraud is uh, is quite frankly at the heart of our uh, economic uh, global economic downturn here. And of course, the problems continue with uh, the shenanigans of the banks. Um, and for Romney to claim we had a Muslim Brotherhood elect a member elected to the presidency of Egypt, well, that's a typical Romney convoluted statement. Uh, Morsi, uh, for the record, um, yes, he's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. He also is educated in the West, and he seems to have been elected in a sort of marginally or nominally free election. Uh, this is part of the consequences of the so-called Arab Spring. Mitt Romney doesn't seem to get the complexities of foreign policy. The foreign policy debate, of course, is coming up in uh, several weeks, and uh, there's no prediction or telling if uh, some problems would, would maybe crop up for uh, Obama in the realm of foreign policy. But I don't see how Romney wins on the foreign policy uh, situation. But, of course, Romney is uh, once again all over the map when it comes to economics. And, of course, this is going to be the, uh, the uh, situation um, for the debate this week, the, one of the main subjects. Um, when asked on 60 Minutes, by the way, from, for some specifics about uh, where he would uh, deal with uh, you know, the budget and the tax situation, he once again sort of veered into the realm of imprecision and, and vagueness. Then later in the week, while campaigning in Ohio, uh, Westerville, Ohio, to be specific, I know Westerville quite well because we used to play them in soccer when I was in high school. I lived in Athens, Ohio. And Romney said this. This is uh, uh, creating dismay amongst his conservative supporters. He said, by the way, don't be expecting a huge cut in taxes, Mr. Romney um, cautioned at a rally at Westerville, Ohio, uh, because <clears throat> I'm also going to lower deductions and exemptions. Now, when asked about this uh, deduction and exemptions issue, Romney didn't actually say where he would cut these so-called tax loopholes. Once again, Mitt Romney, <clears throat> because he's being vague and imprecise, I'll fill in some of the details for the man. The largest uh, tax loophole regarding exemptions and deductions, quote-unquote, is business taking tax deductions for help providing health care. This is about a $300 billion uh, annual deduction from the books that I've read, and I'll specifically cite uh, Simon Johnson's latest book as well as Bruce Bartlett. I noticed that Bruce Bartlett gave a talk on campus a couple weeks ago, and I regret missing that because I think he's one of the more eloquent former Republicans that's talking honestly about the actual budget. Um, and... Uh, I think that it's, uh, I, I regret missing that, that talk, but his recent book uh, is well worth uh, reading regarding uh, the consequence of the Bush tax cuts and whatnot. The second largest um, 
quote exemption deduction in the in the IRS uh, budget uh, is, is giving to charitable entities. So Romney doesn't talk about eliminating corporate deductions for providing health care. He doesn't talk about uh, reducing the deduction for um, giving to charity. And then, of course, the third largest deduction in the uh, deduction exemption loose category of loopholes is the interest on um, that itemizers are allowed to take regarding interest that they pay on their homes. Uh, Needless to say, the super rich uh, take advantage of this uh, deduction, (laughs) exemption, whatever you want to call it, far more aggressively and frequently than ordinary people. Um, Frequently when they buy second homes, for instance, they take this deduction. And Rom, this, by the way, is about $100 billion. The charitable uh, um, cost to the Treasury varies quite a bit from year to year, but it sort of is in the range of about $150 to $200 billion. Health care is about $300 billion. And interest, uh, mortgage interest rate deduction is about $100 billion, but it is the third largest element of so-called tax loopholes. I didn't actually hear Romney discuss any of this, any of these specifics, and I, it, it continues to puzzle me. But obviously, more stories have come out about the missing details from Romney's um, plans, his, his, his basic economic argument. All he talks about on the campaign trail are very, very vague platitudes regarding jobs. And, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at a uh, historical chart uh, regarding job creation during certain presidencies. And what's fascinating about this, uh, this uh, um, chart, the track record, uh, is that Obama... Uh, actually compares pretty favorably to his predecessors. And job um, creation, at some level, is almost a function of, uh, of um, demographics more than anything. It's interesting to note that the unemployment rate uh, was actually highest under Ronald Reagan. It went almost up to 11% in the 81-82 recession. And it's fascinating when you read Bruce Bartlett's book to find out that uh, there were tax increases orchestrated by Congress who wanted to scale back on the uh, devastating impact that the uh, budget um, deficit started to experience from the original tax cut that Ronald Reagan provided in 1981. That was the so-called supply-side economics tax cut based on Jack Kemp and Arthur Laffer's idea. Um, Bartlett, of course, knows Jack Kemp quite well because that's who he worked for uh, as a sort of a congressional aide. Now, we hear a lot of screaming about the deficit. How fascinating that the most recent Harper's Index, this is from the October edition, based on sources uh, as of August 2012, notes. This is just one of these fascinating Harper's index statistics amount the debt ceiling standoff cost the federal government in 2011 1.3 trillion dollars now that number 
as I would suggest to you, is more than twice the total deductions that we're talking about, the top three tax loopholes that Obama, that, that Mitt Romney won't talk about what he's going to get rid of. He's very imprecise about it. And it's part of one of the reasons why he continues to sort of flounder in the polls. Late in the week, uh, what was the complaint that the Romney campaign had? No, it wasn't the performance of the candidate. It wasn't gaffes. It wasn't throwing Ron Paul under the bus. It wasn't uh, his foreign policy uh, trip uh, back in July where he committed gaffes in Poland, Israel, and and, uh, Great Britain. It wasn't uh, the 47% video. It wasn't his uh, hasty and misguided and inaccurate comments following the attack in Benghazi. No, no, no. It was now the the polls are biased. There's a, quote, democratic bias in the polls. Well, historians have actually proven that it's the other way around. If anything, there's a slight Republican bias. It's small, but it's, uh, it's, it's there. And um, Romney's continuing meltdowns and the continuing vacillations are, are troubling because he's, he just he doesn't get it. And that's why he's declining in virtually every poll. Uh, I would say that Obama at this point is in a position to uh, win the, the nomination rather easily. And I think the only question that remains now is, is are there going to be coattails? Are there going to be um, massive losses uh, in the... Uh, in, in the House of Representatives, for instance, uh, I, I can't see massive losses in the Senate because the Democrats are largely playing defense there. But uh, it doesn't appear that the Republicans are going to take the Senate. They have their own problems there. Uh, notice that uh, Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum uh, over the week uh, decided to endorse Todd Aiken in Missouri. Wow. Talk about a party that's uh, poised for... Uh, a civil war following this election. Um, I'm not too sure what uh, Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum are thinking there. I, I think Rick Santorum is obviously thinking of uh, 2016. I don't know what Newt Gingrich is thinking about. His uh, thought processes continue to mystify. But this is off message with uh, the message of many other Republican Senate candidates, as well as uh, Mitt Romney. So uh, having him come in late in the game to endure, having Santa, you know, the, the, and the reason I mentioned that this was the deadline, by the way, for Aiken to get out of the race. He didn't do it, so he's on the ballot. They're stuck with him. Uh, I think he's going to lose <laughs> for obvious reasons. And uh, the interesting thing about the deadline that he uh, didn't withdraw, which would have allowed the Republican Party to put somebody else on the ballot, is we, we get a, a, another story about registration fraud by the GOP in Florida. Uh, in the same Harper's Index, we have an interesting uh, story about Pennsylvania. Now, the Pennsylvania thing is still kind of in the courts, but it says the number of registered Pennsylvanians who may be prevented from voting by the new voter identification law, 1.6 million. Portion of Philadelphia that the law may affect two-fifths number of documented instances of voter impersonation fraud in Pennsylvania history, zero. (laughs) 
So of course this uh, this these vote purging the voting the, the voter rolls and all the all these voter ID laws. This has been part of the Koch brothers strategies dating back to the Alec uh, uh, situation from a couple years ago, and um, there's just no evidence of it. There just continues to be evidence of. Well, in Michigan, we have two examples of candidate fraud, <laughs> and and uh, well, uh, well, we'll uh, discuss that at a future day. But it's just another interesting example of uh, the the whole situation um, regarding this phony issue. Uh, a lot of these, in my mind, the big problem is voter confusion. And, of course, early voting has started in a couple of states. Interesting to see that it started in both Iowa and, uh, I believe, Ohio. And there are some other swing states where it's uh, coming up. And uh, what's fascinating about the swing states, because the election seems, unfortunately, not be coming down to the concept of one person, one vote, but this uh, archaic electoral college system that uh, America continues to utilize that gives a disproportionate voting power to Wyoming as opposed to somebody that lives in California with respect to the Electoral College. But uh, in Iowa, Ohio, and New Hampshire, uh, their state economies are doing considerably better than the national unemployment average. So it's, it's puzzling to me why economic arguments that Mitt Romney would be making against Barack Obama would be working. In fact, they're not working in any of those states. Of the three, Iowa is probably the closest, at least in the polls. But Obama seems to have widened his lead in Ohio for a variety of reasons. And he's got a fairly substantial lead in New Hampshire, according to a recent Wall Street Journal poll. So this economic message is, 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 uh, is very conflicting. It, it works in some states. The state where Barack Obama on the economy is the most vulnerable of the swing states is actually Nevada. Uh, they have the highest unemployment rate, but I don't see how or why Barack Obama is responsible for the high unemployment rate in, in Nevada. Nevada's uh, housing bubble was created by a stock, a, a, a gambling uh, boom that happened in the mid part of the decade. And gambling is just not something that's going to work as a viable, sustainable economic concept. Travel over the past decade has become far more expensive for most uh, people around the globe because the price of oil has gone up a little bit here and there. It's considerably higher than it was, say, 15, 20 years ago. And people are just not going to fly into Vegas uh, to gamble, not when gambling is now available in, I don't know how many states have gambling now, but casinos seem to be popping up everywhere. And um, I don't really have time at this point to get to this very interesting article in the most recent edition of In These Times, but next week we'll... Uh, highlight the show there. Uh, very embarrassing revelations about the origin of some of the capital that Bain Capital uh, um, uh, basically developed to start Mitt Romney's company back in 1984. Because I think Bain Capital is still a major problem for Mitt Romney. Wanted to mention, by the way, that you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor, and uh, uh, Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. Um, 
interesting to see that the over the past week, you know, we had a, a kind of a muddle of economic information. And I'm always uh, somebody that looks not at monthly reports, but sort of trends, trends in the graphs. Uh, we had a report today, for instance, that manufacturing is up slightly. Well, it is up slightly. And every recovery in American history is, uh, you, you have to have a recovery in either manufacturing